Hi folks, hope this finds you well. Um, thank you very much for joining me for another episode of my weekly podcast, Soundtracking, where I get to talk film and music with some of the world's most creative people. Lovely response to Dominic Scherr last week, who is a composer behind, um, amongst many things, The Serpent, which I know many of you loved. And it was quite nice because I got a message from a few people saying that by listening to the podcast, it reminded them that it was on their planner to watch and so they got round to watching it, which is always a good thing. Now, our latest guests on Soundtracking, guests, did you hear me say, on Soundtracking, are a couple of young ladies who wowed Kevin Feige and his team at Marvel to collaborate on the studio's latest offering on Disney+. Plus. The hugely talented director, Kate Heron, equally talented composer Natalie Holt combined to great effect on Loki. The mind-bending take on the Norse god of mischief as played by recent guest on this podcast, Mr Tom Hiddleston. Now, don't get me started on how much I love this series. My boys and I just had the most wonderful experience waiting week by week for these episodes to drop. It was phenomenal. And... I should say, actually, in case anyone listening hasn't watched it yet, there are some spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't watched all the episodes of season one of Loki yet, then I encourage you to do so now before listening to Kate and Natalie go into great detail. Now, I'll have plenty more on Loki shortly, including Easter eggs, the use of the theremin and Tom's pissed singing. Ah, yes. But first, I wanted to draw your attention to a great service that I recently experienced provided by Faro and Ball. Now, I'm sure, like me, you've been staring at the same walls for months, looking for new inspiration and maybe thinking about a little bit of DIY. Well, I've just started making plans for a few changes to rooms in my own house. And it's amazing what a lick of paint can do to lift a room or space, creating a brand new mood or feeling. But sometimes I struggle with what works where and I can't make decisions on what colour to match with specific walls and surroundings. Well, that's where a Farron Ball colour consultant comes in. I had a wonderful few hours a couple of weeks ago with Paddy, who quite literally felt like a colour fairy godfather, making the most incredible suggestions and recommendations, so much so that even before I've lifted a brush, I can visualise how it's going to turn out in glorious detail. It's very exciting. His design and colour expertise have been invaluable, from how light can impact colour choice to how colour can work on the size perspective of rooms. He really had a wealth of ideas that I can't wait to use. And I was already a big fan of Faro and Ball products, but I've been incredibly impressed and inspired by the personal colour advice that I've received. So why not book your in-home or virtual colour consultation today? The hourly cost for the tailored colour consultancy sessions is £195 for in-home and £130 for online. To find out more, visit the Faro and Ball website at faro-ball.com. That's faro-ball.com. And so to the wonderful Kate and Natalie, whose score really is something quite special. And we'll begin with one of her cues, Headless.
Listen, I've got to say thank you for the effort that came into today happening. I feel like we've had a whole series of kind of like the god of mischief has been working in the background to try not make this happen. I know. But we're in a room together. Yeah. I just ignored my last email. Shh. Well, I said to Natalie, I was like, if anyone asked me, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, I who knows train, what Natalie And did. then I sent like, the yeah. and I thought that was good enough. So. Yeah. For some reason, I left my phone at home. Mm-hmm. I'm really it's sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's so, Natalie and Kate, thank you for being here, first of all. And, and this is quite a unique <laughs> thing for you guys, because when did you actually meet in person for the first time? Yesterday. No way! Yeah. Yeah. Insane. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it was really weird because I'm staying with my parents right now and they're away. So I was like, oh, you can just come to my parents' house and we'll like watch, you know, their last episode and you can look at my baby photos. (laughs) (laughs) They are so cute. (laughs) It was so funny. But but I feel like I've known because like we worked basically on Zoom and different programs, obviously, to record Mm. all the music. But yeah, I feel like I already know you though. Yeah. And we had like a weekly, the Wednesday, music day catch yeah. up we've just hung out for like the last it is weird months. how intimate that whole sort of zoom thing is in a way isn't it you kind of you mm-hmm. f- almost feel like a screen between you co- kind of causes some kind of barrier but it weirdly doesn't and to, and to prove the point the fact that you've been able to create this extraordinary thing together without being in the same room as each other is phenomenal. So great. Huge congratulations. Oh, thank you. I had to lie to my children yesterday that I hadn't watched episode six. <laughs> but I have. It's very Loki of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um oh it's I mean I, I genuinely don't know where to start because I just I love what you've you've both done in this I think it's so great that, and I don't know if this is a Marvel thing as well, and Kevin, that he really encourages the people that he brings on board to allow them the opportunity to paint their own canvas, to bring their own look, feel, emotion, texture, sound to the project that they are brought on board with, which is what not what you would expect. Was that a big revelation for you, Kate? Yeah, I think for me, like when I pitched to them, because I I love the movies and I've kind of, I hoped that would be the case just because, you know, if you watch like I loved Guardians of the Galaxy and I love James Gunn and I like, you know, I love Slither and I followed like all his films and like, but I just was like, oh, but you can tell it's him and his voice. Mm. And I think that was something I found when I pitched to them because obviously I had not necessarily something like super different, but it was different to what had come before in terms of MCU and like the look and the style that I wanted to go for and even just shooting style, like some of the ways me and Autumn when I was talking with her about it and when I initially met them on my own, just like, this is how I kind of like to cover scenes. How do you guys feel about that? And, but no, they were really into it. I think for them, it's always about story first. And if it feels like it's going to bring something fresh and different to the story, like they tend to go for it. So no, Mm. it was just really liberating, to be honest. How did you get to that point of pitching to them? I went down an absolute rabbit hole of, of the world yesterday, of watching you doing interviews, of watching people dissect episodes. It was like one o'clock in the morning by the time I finished. I must go. I've got to get some sleep. I've got a big day tomorrow. But it's, it's, I love it. I kind of felt fed by the world. It was so great. But for you in terms of getting to that point where you're pitching to Marvel to direct this new branch, how did you get to that point? I just stalked them, to be honest. Yes, go on, girl. I'd done comedy and I did sex education, obviously, Mm -hmm. which was drama and and comedy. And I just love Loki and I I love genre. Like, I I didn't write on Loki, but I'm a writer and, like, 
all my stuff as a writer is genre. And I, but I just, weirdly, I had that problem that I'd pitch scripts and people would be like, oh, well, we'll buy the script, but another director will have to do it because you haven't done action and you haven't done sci-fi. But I'd be like, but I love it. Please, please let me do it. And, um, yeah, and I just found out they were making a show about Loki and I just think he's such an interesting character and I was like, oh man, I just want to know, like, one, where has he gone <laughs> as a fan? Mm -hmm. But also just, I want to see if I can bring something to that. So yeah, I, my agent just called them like every single day and they were like, okay, we'll meet her. And yeah, and it was great. And Stephen Brassard and Kevin Wright, the two executive producers I met, were both lovely and they just, yeah, were liking what I was pitching. So I just kind of kept getting through to the next stage and then finally got to pitch to Kevin Feige and Victoria and Lou. And yeah, and they, they liked it. I, I honestly am sort of still in shock about it. I'm like, how did I manage to do this? Like, Are you nervous? Um, yes. I remember the day before the really big pitch, because I had this huge document. I had like a printout of papers, which was sort of like a play of what I was going to say. And I had this, I guess, I guess it's like a PowerPoint presentation, this like 60 page thing. But I was still assembling it the day before because I kept finding more images because I was like, I haven't got enough. I need to like add more to this and add more to this. And yeah, but no, I don't think I slept much before I did the pitch. And then I just crashed out after. But yeah, but they're really nice. That's the thing. Like Kevin Feige and all of them are very friendly um, and they laughed at my silly jokes at the beginning. So I felt immediately relaxed once I was pitching. But yeah, but there was definitely a lot of nerves involved for sure. <laughs> was there music involved in that pitch? Yeah, I had like, well, this is the weird thing, right? Both of us like, so I had, I had a playlist sort of which... I think some of it, I had music from like different eras at the time. And like, I think I was like, oh, it's playing with time. We'll have music from here and here and here. And it would have been, I think, a bit, probably not quite right. But something that I did have in there was um, Clara Rockmore's The Swan, because I just love it. And I knew I wanted theremin to play into it somehow. I didn't know exactly how, but I just loved the idea of that and using that song somehow. So yeah, that's, that's why when we found Natalie, it was amazing because you already were like, the theremin and I was like oh my god <laughs> this is perfect we have to work together and yeah so no so I had that song and that's in the show but yeah That's amazing because there's a there's an association with that instrument, isn't there, and the sound that it can create of that kind of otherworldliness, that kind of sci-fi element to it. But it's so emotive as well. I mm -hmm. think it's it's so human-like almost in a way. In the it's there's something like a voice about the yeah. the, the way it's well, yeah. I I think and I was really lucky to to have worked on this project with Charlie Draper, who's a theremin player. Like literally a month before I got the kind of cold call there's a lo there's a marvel project and and then i kind of got closer and closer into like finding out that it was actually loki and then i had this kind of sound in my head because we'd done this kind of mm -hmm. past the parcel lockdown musical project with an ad agency wow. and he he'd been like the musician to have the piece before me so i'd yeah i was like oh i need to save his number i want to work with him so i was mentioning it <laughs> wow. to kate in the pitch and yeah it sort of like hit a 
nerve. <laughs> Tell me about this cold call. So what you get a call and someone and who's who's calling you and what are these? <laughs> oh my my agent was just said there's a untitled Marvel project and they're looking for something spacey and epic. Have you got a, just a bunch of tracks that you can send in as a pitch and mm-hmm. then you would have I guess got that. <laughs> yeah, I think we got like a kind of a suite of your music, right? And I remember you had some cool stuff in there that was electronic. And I was like, oh, who's this person? <laughs> Did you know, was there anything attached to what you were hearing? Like, it's this person or was it a kind of blind listen? I think I'm trying to remember now. I have a feeling it might have been blind, actually. Wow. I think so, for fairness. I think they sent us everything. And I, I think I might have that wrong, though, but I think it was blind. So I long think. ago, really, actually, when I guess this I'm trying to remember, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I just remember hearing that that like experimental electronic stuff you had, and I just was like already really excited hearing that, and I was like, who is this? <laughs> and like, yeah, so, and then after that, we just started talking, didn't we? And then you were sending. Well, us you ideas. did have to do. We had to do like a Bake Off kind of thing with I don't know how many <laughs> other composers. I had to score a scene. That was where I really like, oh, wow. did a bit like a crazy over the top. Like I had like live musicians on there and Charlie played on it. Like my pitch. So it was the time theatre when they come down the elevator and then go into the time theatre in episode one. Mm-hmm. That was what you sent out to a bunch of yeah. composers to, to write to kind of get a feel for how they'd score a scene, I guess. And, yeah. And I, so at that point you knew it was Loki then that you were... Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> I mean, trying yeah. to submit music for an untitled project that's got a kind of very sort of broad theme you're like wow you can't kind of tone that to anything specific but that's amazing what a great story yeah I think because we had like when we found composers it's because obviously we were shut down because of covid yeah and I was trying to like it's always tricky as a director right because you're just pulling music from places and it kind of has the right idea but I was like oh I really want to get a composer on so we can just like find the actual musical voice of the show and yeah, and it was really fun, like, sending you clips because for me it was so helpful as well because hearing Natalie's music, it just gave me ideas for, like, you know, shots or ways we could cover scenes, like, for stuff we hadn't filmed yet because like, it kind of helps you, I guess, it, music. I, I love music and I think it really helped shape the identity of the show for me, like, starting to hear Natalie's score because I think we gave you the scene. It was in episode one because we'd filmed a lot of the time theatre stuff at the first half of the shoot. And it was like Mobius and Loki walking down the hallway and going into the time theatre. And I remember what I loved about it was that you spoke so much about how you were inspired by Loki's personality and the whole show's about identity. So I was just like, this feels like this, you know, Natalie's the perfect person to do this. So, yeah. Would you say that that shutdown period was a, uh, not a blessing, but it was a helpful thing? Yeah, we we definitely tried to make the best of it. I think for me, like something I found that was really interesting is because normally I suppose you kind of find this almost once you've done the first season and then you take what you learn there and then you take that to the second season. But because we were shut down halfway, I'd filmed the majority of episode one and bits of episode two of a few bits hanging over. And a lot of it was still up in the air, like Mm. for the second half of the show. And I think something that was really key was that it's just tonal stuff, honestly. Like we started to hone into like different things the actors were doing, tonal stuff, ideas for characters. Like we were still were shaping, I'd say, episode five and six and bits of four. So it definitely I think the whole team were just really inspired over that lockdown. Like me and like Eric the writer, we were working, you know, we spoke a lot about episode five and like stuff I'd found in the edit. And like I was sharing scenes with them as well and being like, oh, this is really cool, the actors, if you want to see what they're doing with this. So I think that it definitely 
we tried to use it to our advantage. And yeah, and then having Natalie on for the second half was amazing because like, I, I don't know if you spoke about it, but Tom used to play your music on set like, and it get everyone really excited. <laughs> like, he loves great. It. Oh, he's a bit of a closet DJs, Tom. He loves, he's yeah. like, he's, yeah. like, I, he's like walking about with a boombox. He was telling me, he's like walking about, I mean, he was just gushing about working with, with you two and, and that experience. And it's really interesting talking to him about music because music's really important to him. But I love that notion that, your creations are there and they're helping inform the performances and the emotion and and the journey and even the movement as well, I think, as well. The thing I really loved was getting the stuff from He Who Remains. We're allowed to say it now because it's out. Yay! <laughs> I haven't been able to talk about it before. Um, but you were sending me like Ep6 stuff and, and that was I was writing the suite for the show at that point because I knew you were away and I wanted to kind of get this suite together with all the themes before I started working across the show um in depth and and then i watched that he who remains stuff and i was like i got that tva theme which is actually his theme So the whole way along, the TVA theme's been, he's been in charge and that's his theme. So that, that was like the end point at the beginning that we knew that we were working towards, which was, which was super useful wow. to have the time to be able to craft it in that way, I think. It's like a really slow build crescendo, isn't it? Yeah. Almost mm-hmm. to that kind of moment. There are so many, there are so many different, wonderful textures to the music. And it's great because you've been putting up lovely little clips on your social media of, of the players, of a lot of the players, of guitar and, and theremin and, and all that stuff. And that's amazing. What informed you about that kind of musicality of it? Was it was it script? Was it performance? Was it the whole kind of texture of the show as well? Well, I think because the, the, like we were talking about Clockwork Orange, weren't we, as well, in the, in the very first right. meeting that we had. And you were saying like the world of the TVO was very like analogue and lots of mm. knobs and buttons and dials. <laughs> and, and so there was that, that immediately kind of felt like the theremin was the perfect instrument, those early electronic instruments that feel a bit more like they've got that kind of analogy texture. Mm. And I was also running quite a lot of the stuff I'd recorded through um, a tape, analog tape, and speeding it down, like the sound of bells and clocks and stuff. So everything's got quite a grainy kind of texture. Nothing. I don't ever just play anything as it is. It's always kind of slightly, the the sound of it is kind of, shaped and Mm. tweaked to kind of go with the with the aesthetic of the show
And that clever use as well of of having themes and almost manipulating those themes at different parts with throughout the episodes. You know, so you there's things that you there are, are, are melodies that you recognise from previous episodes that that recur and but in different forms, like almost you know shapeshifting in a way. The music shapeshifts in a way. It's so clever. <laughs> I don't quite know what the question is around that, but it's just like... like, Well, I guess that was the thing of... Because we had the theremin really early on and then once you'd gone back to shoot and I I had like a month to craft that suite and get all the themes down... Um, and I think that was it because I was like, okay, that's Mobius's theme, that's Silver mm-hmm. theme, and it was it was kind of easy to story tell because I'd got the groundwork done of knowing which themes were which and mm. where it was all leading and everything. But um, and then I mentioned to you about the Norwegian instrument yeah. for, for his mother, and because I'd I'd heard this, my friend Max Bailey did this kind of trio um, called the Lodestar Trio um, with these two musicians from Nor- Sweden and Norway, mm-hmm. um, Eric and Olaf. They're, a hard anger fiddle player and a nickel harper player. And so I'd heard this concert like three years ago and that sound of those Norwegian folk instruments was, I was I, again, I was like, oh, I, really, I need these guys' numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so I had anyone's going to get their Marvel R. <laughs> <laughs> My roller decks, like, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I mentioned that to you and you weren't sure mm. about it. You were like, oh, it could be a bit cheesy I can't remember <laughs> now <laughs> I think so, I think you'd mentioned like someone had tried to do that in a pitch they'd gone for the Norwegian instruments in a pitch I can't remember and you weren't sure about oh it. I think it was the studio's temperature on it oh. I remember now I didn't dislike it myself but I think there was like oh is it quite right is it quite is it not but I think yeah, I think it was just early days kind of discussion yeah, stuff. But we but... tried it, didn't we? Yeah, and then yeah. and then the way that they both play and they they added that kind of melancholy and soul and like the scene where yeah. he sees his, his mother being killed and sees his life flashing before mm. him and that those the sounds of those that rawness blended with the theremin and the orchestral stuff just seemed to Yeah, yeah it worked, worked really it? well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. start with a theme you know in terms of like the theme tune which is great I love it where I mean where when you you go I was in the pitch yeah I literally it was like amazing just okay I read the script and then obviously because every episode um yeah I got all six I think you would oh, no, so, no two I got two for the pitch oh yeah you got one ep and one two. and ep two yeah 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 um but 
you've obviously it's not like coming cold to something where there's nothing in existence like you're reading a script and you can't imagine what it's going to be be like it's like you you read the script and you've seen the film so it's like you've got all this groundwork that's already done and then I just was messing around on the piano um and came up with that Loki theme the bass line of it not the, the kind of Valkyrie rips that ended up going over the top but that theme for him came really quickly after I'd read the script and then I'd do this trick of like sleeping on it <laughs> and if I can wake up in the remo- the morning and remember it then I kind of feel like oh that's a sticky one so <laughs> so good so I, yeah it's kind of so it. good And the graphics as well, that it's just, yeah, it's, um, and it's really clever because it's not, I love how every episode has a slightly different sort of beginning and end, you know, and there's, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of, the kids and I, my, I've got two boys, eight and 13, and we are obsessed, you know, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. lovely to have something that we all watch together. And that kind of <laughs> weekly drop is like so healthy to make kids wait <laughs> for stuff. <laughs> so we're like that, we kind of almost a slow-mo in the, the end credits to see what, what's been added visually you know what I mean as well and then you have this incredible soundscape that's kind of taking you still through on on that journey I mean when you're adding things in there and there's the whole easter egg thing as well that I wanted to ask about I don't want you to reveal anything I've already watched so many youtube clips about all that but but when do you this is a random question slightly off what we were talking about but when you are with the Easter egg thing and kind of placing Mm -hmm. secret stuff in there when do you do that are you are you doing yeah. that sort of? I don't know. Tell me. Sorry, it's ra- a really badly asked question. <laughs> no, I would say it's from like the beginning to the end, right? Mm-hmm. So it could start in the scripts. Like if the writers are like, "Oh, let's reference this in a line," or this could be a cool thing, and like, so I think that it can start there. It can be just on set. Like sometimes even like our production design department or our props department or you know everyone would pitch stuff would be like, oh, I've added this to a document because this is a kind of cool nod to this. And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. So like, um, so that would be kind of an example of on set. And then in post, like, for example, okay, so uh, Frog of Thunder, mm-hmm. like I had, I knew I wanted to do that shot, like the kind of animation style shot, which I love. I was like, oh, when we go to the lair, we definitely have to like go do like through the dirt kind of, I think I've seen it in Futurama. And I was like, <laughs> I want to do that in real life. And but I knew we should put something in the dirt, but I didn't know what that would be yet. And then it was just when we were in post, I think we were like, oh, well, let's put Frog of Thunder there. So that's like an example of, yeah. And The Void in particular was one like Dan DeLue, our 
VFX supervisor and Kevin Wright, our creative producer, like all the conspiracy stuff. Kevin Wright, he loves that. And he had so much fun being like, oh, we should add this, we should add this. Um, but oh, okay, so like, I'm probably going to say it wrong. The poly, polybus, um, like arcade, uh, arcade, oh God, ar- yeah. God, God damn fine. it. Yeah. Arcade on. machine. Is it, I've, I only just finished the job, guys. My brain is like, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, but like he referenced that. So that ended up obviously as something we built for on set. But like Dan, for example, like he pitched loads of stuff that's in there like you know just hidden in the background in the void so no I would say like with easter eggs I think it's kind of the fun of Marvel right so everyone is really into that and everyone generally that works on it is pretty nerdy so I think it's honestly just everyone is pitching in and you kind of run it up the chain and you're like can we add this and they're like yay or nay so yeah so that's kind of I I suppose my answer is like across the whole thing (laughs) we're always pitching ideas collaborative ever event on 100% we did have a couple of musical ones though (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. like the handover in uh, uh, from New York you know the opening Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there was I got the Sylvester stems Mm. and then it was like handing over into the Loki theme but but like I got to kind of blend into the into those stems from that's amazing and then there was the one in where he wakes up the easter avengers that was the yeah yeah. had to do that we had a little nod like i used a sylvestri theme in there as well and people realized they're like that Mm. was the avengers theme in there (laughs) like people spot yeah there's the episode six which we can talk about now and that opening and that track that's the Peggy and 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 Cap dancing tune and stuff kiss me once then kiss me twice then kiss me once again it's been a long long time haven't felt like this my dear since can't There's this whole kind of audio mashup yeah. of 
so many things. It's like impossible <laughs> to try and write everything down as it's happening. It's yeah. insane. Can you talk a little bit about the thought process behind that and, and yeah. how you were able to achieve that as well? So it happened actually quite late in the day. So we had like... So basically Eric had written like this kind of, he was like, let's do like a cool like contact kind of homage, like going through space. And then we traveled to the end of time. And then I worked with a storyboard artist called Darren and Darren was amazing. And he was like, I mean, he pitched the idea of the timeline actually being like a circle. And he actually spoke about it like a record player. He said, what if this Citadel was like, you know, the end touching on like the circle, which I always thought was really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think the thing I loved about it was, and so I'll go on to the audio, but I just, I love the idea of it actually not being a straight line how the TVA saw it because it kind of made me think about how we used to see the earth right like we thought it was flat and actually it's round and I just was like oh that feels really cool that the TVA almost had like this limited understanding even with their knowledge and it actually is like no this is kind of twisting everything on its head so we we kind of had planned that and I knew I wanted the sequence to kind of play with time and give MCU nods which I'm sure people saw like different chips and things from the MCU just so it felt MCU specific mm-hmm. um, and we were visually really happy with it but still it felt like oh we want to push it further and initially I had the idea that so at the very end where we go it's like as you go into the main timeline I remember saying to my editor I was like oh we could add like the sounds of the, the I remember saying to her it was such a weird note I was like let's add the, like the sounds of the earth and she's like okay and I was like yeah like you know like the babies and cities and like <laughs> and I was and then my producer Kevin was uh, Kevin Wright was like oh yeah and we could and remember he, me and him were like riffing all these things and Emma was like okay okay and we all got really into it so we just had it in that segment and Kevin Feige heard it and he was like oh this is really cool and he then was like you know we've never done voices on the logo and then all of us were like oh my it kind of opened up everyone's minds and we're like oh my god let's make this whole thing like a kind of a massive handoff to what's come before but just also how to show time I guess with Mm -hmm. all this audio soundscape so yeah that's partly why I was working on it right up to crunch time on ep6 because we were working on that soundscape where you go tic tac Nah, you wouldn't have heard of me. Dance off, bro. He's a friend from work. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I'll show you for us. Hire further faster, baby. We have lots of records. Can you jump on that spaceship and get out of here? No, I'm stuck. It's you. 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 Yeah, and then Natalie as well. You should talk about the. Oh, I just I love how how it was. It was like little clips of different. It was like the golden record, you know, when when the thing Mm. we sent into space, and it was like bits of Bach and. And yeah. Emma was like, it needs to have Kylie Minogue in there because she's Australian. Yeah, yeah she's Australian yeah. editor. So yeah, she was like, Kylie's going in. <laughs> so, it's great. Yeah. I love that it's it's kind of just this, the, the freedom of that, of kind of mm-hmm. what can go in, who can make a suggestion on what can go in as, yeah. as well. Oh, and I should say we worked as well with the Disney diversity team because that was the other thing as well was like, 
we only had so many minutes. So it's like, okay, so whose voices are we putting in there? Like where from in the world are they coming from? Mm -hmm. Just to make sure we're, you know, representative. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really some K pop. It was like super expensive. There's so many authors on all those tracks, aren't there? Yeah, we had one I think we had one track at one point by BTS, but sadly we had to we couldn't use it. Yeah. Their loss. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um but yeah, but it was like it was just so much fun and I, I can't stress what a massive team effort it was. Like Skywalker as well, it did sound like they were pitching in lots of stuff. Yeah, it was just everyone kind of thinking. I think we had initial quotes about time up front and then it was kind of that handoff from MCU obviously into like our world and finding that balance and then obviously going a bit back into MCU as we go into the timeline mm. at the very end. So yeah, it was a lot of fun sound design wise for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's I mean there's there's a few kind of needle drops throughout the series, mm-hmm. isn't there? Um were they your choices? It was kind of a mixture. So like I'd say Dark, Dark Moon was Kevin Wright, our creative producer, because me and him were like I remember we were just texting each other songs on Spotify and some of them were obviously just joke songs and we were like we can never use this at the end of the show. But he Let's found, go round again. Yeah, I, some of them were so silly and I it was just like cuz it's so like upbeat the end, right? And I'm and cuz I used to work in comedy I think when I initially pitched on Loki I had kind of songs that would like subvert the emotion which yeah. is, could be funny if it was a comedy but it's not quite right for the emotion what we're doing in the show but no he found Dark Moon I remember and I remember I was in my kitchen and he texted to me and I was like oh my god I was like this song is great so we went for that one Dark Moon Away up high up in the sky Oh tell me why Oh tell me why You've lost your splendor Dark moon What is the cause your light withdraws Is it because, is it because I've lost my love And then Kevin Feige actually, so he had that song that we use in the end of episode four, but we didn't know what episode we wanted to put it in. And I remember originally in the script, so Loki's deleted and then you see him wake up straight away. And I was like, oh, I think it would be more impactful because we hadn't done like the mid credits or end credits sting yet. And I love that because I love Marvel. And I was like, I was really trying to find something we could do. (laughs) And I was like, oh man, actually, let's just move the bit where he wakes up and put it mid credits because you can't really do end credits because of the nature of it being on TV. But I just was like, but that we haven't done that yet. So it's kind of paying homage to what's come before of Marvel because they're known for doing these cool little tease things. And also I just liked it because dramatically then using that track that Kevin Feige was like, oh, I really love this song. I was just like, oh, that's perfect because emotionally it completely hits like, you know, it's it's kind of playing into the love story of it all. If the sun should tumble from the sky If the sea should suddenly run dry If you love me, really love me Let it happen, I won't care If it seemed that everything is lost I will smile
and I thought, well, if I saw him get deleted and that song played, I'd be like, Loki is like he's dead and he's obviously died so many times in the MCU by this point I'd be like you guys like you did it again um so that felt like really impactful using that particular music there just for emotionally where the audience are at and then obviously then we pay it off with the mid credits of no and then with the amazing twist that you did with the Avengers and Loki theme there so it kind of was like I don't know a treat at the end <laughs> well that's the interesting thing of of the music almost kind of telling you something about the narrative as well you know and that that, mm-hmm. that mix of of worlds kind of colliding together to to tell us you know and, and but it's interesting because not everybody will reference or recognize that so it's kind of like I like that those kind of deep dive options that you give fans to kind of go oh you yeah. know and they kind of hear <laughs> or see something it was a funny one with needle drops though because I think I found more and more because like like I mentioned, like we had those two tracks at the end and then Clara Rockmore we used in Renslayer's office because it kind of, she was inspiring a bit of our world and then it felt like, oh yeah, this is what she would listen to in the TVA. Yeah. But I think that more and more I just found, we d- I didn't want to do needle drops because Natalie's music was just so amazing and I was like, this is the, I-. and for me it was so much the identity of the show and just everything you were sending us and like, yeah, so I'd always kind of be like, no, let's go score, let's go score. And I replaced a yeah. few needle drop moments as well, didn't I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we, there were things where, because it was so nice, we had so much time. Mm. So there were there were things where usually on a TV show, you're just like, you know, nose to the grindstone, like, let's get this episode out. And then, you know, we, we were coming back to things and you were like, well, let's get the score sorted. And then we could come back and see if we've got time to replace that source yeah. track, like with the D.B. Cooper and oh, Miss Minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and like that prog prog version of the Loki theme in uh, yeah. episode five when they're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, we were I just like song. putting yeah. little kind of seeds of the theme in and like doing a salsa version. <laughs> whenever you did twists on the theme because by that point right people know it like in episode five where the Loki's fight it always reminded me of like the Saturday morning cartoon version of Loki <laughs> like like I just loved it so much and then yeah the one you did for D.B. Cooper as well was awesome it was just so fun <laughs> It worked, didn't we? In the yeah, like, so we were like, well, yeah, if we have time, but it was cool to have the time to go back and mm. do do those things that make it yeah. extra connected, I guess. And you have this kind of like human encyclopedia, you know, available in the form of Tom Hiddleston, who kind of just, you know, in terms of the commitment he's made to this character, and it was so interesting talking to him and talking about how Loki's such a unique character, I think, in the Marvel world, and for an actor, in that 
almost like with every opportunity he gets to play him, it's a blank canvas. So he's this kind of just constantly evolving character. And I love the journey that of discovery that he goes on in, in this series. And I love what Sylvie's character does to him and allows him to explore and discover about himself and and question about himself as well. It's it's brilliant. But did, how involved does he get in the process beyond taking on the role as Loki? Well, he was an exec on the show, so he was really involved. You know, he was in all our script discussions. Like, I would send him cuts, like, when I was editing. Um, on set, we'd always be talking about... I mean, I think that's the thing with Marvel, like, overall anyway. Like, they're a very collaborative studio, so it's like they tend to invite people that like to collaborate. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he was very involved and yeah I mean with music I'm trying to think like when he would have spoken to you but I was definitely playing him stuff that you were making and he was listening to I mean like I said he loved it his performance episode three as well little you know Mm -hmm. I know how much you love karaoke (laughs) his song on the train I forgot yeah and with that instrument that I I hope you'll forgive (laughs) we had this alien instrument and I remember saying to Natalie because it obviously like the way it functions in the story it doesn't we it's a very alien instrument it's not of earth (laughs) the way it works there's no I was like there's no way those strings are like not like they're like wobbling you couldn't really get a sound on that I remember we were filming it and I was like Natalie's going to kill me (laughs) but I just wished I could have come and like done a little oh it would have been so cool a little cameo cameo on the train (laughs) it was oh sorry no was it was it what was the actual song that he sung though was it uh was it? That was something he'd suck. So I think you'd already filmed that because then I, I watched the scene and he was basically, to begin with, he was just singing it solo in the train. But it felt a bit oh, awkward. Oh, it was acapella. Yeah, acapella. Yeah, and it felt yeah. like he'd just got pissed and there were a few people clapping <laughs> behind him. But it was a bit of an awkward scene, wasn't it? And then I was kind of like, oh, can, can I try... Should we imagine like yeah. someone on the train had an instrument and they got pissed as well and <laughs> yeah. it, it definitely him helped him it and it yeah. helped it along didn't it gave it yeah. some life because I think he's got a really beautiful voice but it was just like obviously the mood of it is that you know it's a party right and everyone's mm. enjoying the party and you know all our you know all the other actors with him were like clapping along and everything but they weren't I think because of COVID they weren't allowed to sing because safety oh, obviously course. they couldn't yeah, all yeah. shout so because that, that's why they couldn't sing so we had definitely like a puzzle in that that he was singing and I think that we could get them to say I think I think we had the 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 lady playing the bartender and a few other people I think they were allowed weren't to weren't you singing there as well didn't we no. no, I managed to weasel out of it somehow. I think everyone. What? Every, I heard you love karaoke. What, what's going on? I know, that's what's so crazy. I, honestly, I think it was busyness, and part of me is like really sad. I never got to, but because we added a lot of, I think our bartender actress, she definitely said a few lines, but generally a lot of those voices that people are hearing, mm. that's our team. My oh, editors wow. in there, my assistants in there. I remember I was like, "Come on, guys, I love singing. Let's all just have a song." And then they were like, "You didn't even goddamn sing on the thing," and I'm like, "I was." Busy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> kind of direct in this whole thing. When she sings, she sings, come home. she sings, come home. she sings, she sings, come home. she sings, she sings, come home. she sings, she sings, come home. 
I storms farta fjell Jeg vandrer alene Over isbriet tar jeg meg frem I eplehagen stamøyen den vene Og synger yeah, but I think definitely adding that and the instrument added to it because, you know, there's that bit where it goes really slow and it's very beautiful. And like I said, Tom's singing was lovely. It's just, I think it really was just to help the rowdiness of yeah. it. And like adding that instrument, I think really helped. And yeah, it was just quite fun, I think. And I, yeah, and it was really, we, I think the alien instrument was quite cool, but yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love how I kind of made you add it. <laughs> Someone in on top yeah. of it. It really helped though. It really yeah, helped. It, cool. it was kind of made yeah. the scene a What's bit. What's your karaoke song of choice? Oh, so do you know what? I'm not, I, I always try and pick something really edgy, but if I'm honest, it's probably just a song from Frozen. I just love Frozen. Why <laughs> <Yes>. even <laughs> uh, pretend? I couldn't stop for about three months singing Into the Unknown from Frozen oh, 2 after. Yes. I mean, literally. Uh, it was insane. It was. I mean, I. I nearly. I nearly got divorced. But it was. Um, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Um, Jonathan Majors is. Oh my God! It's just mm. kind of. You know, you've got Tom in there, who's just this incredible actor, and we've just relished watching him. You know, in this character, and and we're all waiting with anticipation for this six episodes for the the reveal, and and just the kind of the the the. Almost the, the it's weird because it's two things. It's the extravagance of it, but it's also the kind of the real calmness of it. The performance is so pitch perfect of this character and really leaves you with so many questions as well, which is so good. And that's I think one of the another one of the brilliant things about the series is that you allow the audience to have their own opinion about so many things. And I don't know how mm-hmm. you managed to do that because so many films and TV shows tell you what's going on, tell you what's happening. This really kind of lays characters, storylines to allow you to make up your own opinion about what you think about who they are, what they are and what they've done. Yeah, I think for me, like, it's definitely what makes like a good, and and we can definitely link it to music as well, but I think for me, like, what makes a good villain or character, right, is that a whole show is about free will and good and evil and I think like, for example, like the bad version would be like one of them would be doing something evil and then the music would be like, ha, 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 you know, (laughs) which obviously we were never going to do. But I think that was, and that's so Loki as well that he isn't, you know, either. So Mm. I I think that was really important to nail that. And yeah, and Jonathan Majors, I mean, what a treat, honestly. But I think, yeah, for the final episode, for me anyway, I just wanted to kind of almost like as Loki and Sylvie were the audience, like the our audience were as well. So mm-hmm. I think it was important to let him tell his story. And then, I don't know, I personally, like, I love films and TV that provokes discussion and isn't necessarily giving people an answer because I think that's kind of the sweet stuff, right? Like you watch it and then you get to fight about it at dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, totally. Yeah, but you should work the theme though. Like, his, Oh yeah, yeah. No, well I just love, because he, there was this scene where he gives his backstory and we were, and it didn't have any temp on it. Nothing, like it was yeah. just him talking and, and I, I was watching it and I was just hearing hearing the kind of whole, like, even I had, like, bits from Miss Minutes coming back in and, like, the TVA theme, which is becoming his theme. And I was like, I feel like that that he could have a requiem underneath because he sort of says, oh, man, in the middle. And then I kind of timed, I sort of timed this whole piece that was, like, his requiem is playing alongside his 
origin story. And then obviously he's, I'm totally giving him a spoiler alert. <laughs> but he's, and then he's killed, obviously. So it, yeah. it f- felt like, and then he's evolving into this, you know, what he what he's mm. become. That was one of the, the things end. I'd written down. The amen is mm. voice, same key as the cue and there are choral voices that come in. It's just, it's extraordinary. And because mm. he's like, and then it explodes. And I just timed the whole thing to kind of, it, yeah, it was like an opera at that point, and and it, but I mean, mm. again, it was one of those things where you're like, that sounds like I pitched the idea to you guys, and you're like, oh, I can't quite see how it would work, but yeah, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> and and we had time to. We lack vision, Natalie. No, no, but it's like having yeah, time definitely to try stuff out. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just teasing, and teasing. <laughs> but yeah, Sorry. but no, but I would say I think that's the amazing thing about working with you, though, is that. And that you always hope for as a director, right, is that you come in with ideas, but you always hope that because you're only as good as your team, right? And Natalie, it's even like you're saying the Norwegian instruments. So I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, because I was like so in like electronic land. And I was like, it's got to be really analog. And you're like, no, 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 just trust me. Just And I was like, OK, cool. I hear it. And then I'm like, oh, this is like so good. And like, I think every time you sent us stuff, like even just for camera work, I like, remember you sent us... Um, where they first go through the Citadel and you sent that to me early and I I don't think we'd filmed, this was over lockdown, I think you'd sent this to me and like me and Autumn were listening to it and that cool shot with the camera doing this, that was from the music because we were just listening to it and we were like, oh, that's cool and let's maybe do this with the camera because it's just kind of like everything working together. I mean, mean, you might mind, but on the way here we're talking about Donnie Darko and like I feel like that film for me has like this perfect synchronizing of music and camera together and I think mm-hmm. I've always I don't know I, I I for now every like every project I want to do I'll try and be like Natalie please just send me music ahead of filming because I can like plan my shots to it and <laughs> yeah but I think it really brought it to life and just and you're so character focused as well like I think that was what made the music so good is like with He Who Remains theme it had this oper- operatic kind of vibe to it in ways and same with Loki it was playful mischievous but full of pain like I think you're really good at capturing their souls almost. And the different yeah. Lokis as well, like Richard yeah. D. Grant. Oh my God, we haven't even talked about Richard D. Grant and run out of time very quickly. What a legend. I mean, just the... And it's so great. I was watching a couple of interviews yesterday with him talking about it. And 
yeah, that whole side of it is just so fascinating. And the, the young actor as well plays the... Oh, it's, yeah. Was that kind of fun? Because you had this, you have this mm. character, but you also have the different variations of this character and and representing that musically. I, I mean, I I didn't that using the ride of the Valkyries thing because it because it had been the rip over the top. Because I I was like I, when I had that Loki theme in the bass, I was like, I want something over the top that's got that callback to mm-hmm. those big that classical repertoire because Tom's performance is so Shakespearean and over the top and has so much panache and, and so and I was trying a bit of Mozart da, 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 a kind of that mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that sneaky Machiavellian stuff but then that Ride of the Valkyries rip just felt so appropriate so that was always there but the idea of I was like oh why don't I just see if I can do like a <laughs> sort of version of it when he's building because that and and it worked and it was just it's great but that that bit kind mm-hmm. of just that came together really quickly and yeah, it just seemed to work with him building Asgard as well. It seemed like the perfect mm. rip-off of a classical piece. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it all again. That's the thing is that it, I feel like there's so many layers to to the show that for, on the first watch you kind of, you're just so taken on the journey with these characters in this world that you're just on it and you kind of almost have to go back two or three more times to kind of really sort of peel back all the, the incredible work that you've, you've both done. And it leaves it open at the end as well, which is, yep. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know you've you spent how many years on this, Kate, that you're like, I need a holiday. And Two years, I think, wow. two years. I started in August 2019, so, and I finished the week the episode two aired. Yeah. Oh my God! So yeah, I was on it for a long time. Wow! <laughs> that must have been terrifying that it's already going out and you're still working on it. It was quite bizarre. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> we were working on the soundscape, so yeah, we were on it for a long time. And you were on it for a long time as well. I think it's just because, you know, COVID and in a way it made our, our, I guess, like our time to create and work out the tone of it as you said like it gave us longer to explore that but yeah. it, as and but with that obviously it was a much longer journey than we intended but yeah but just obviously in awe of Natalie's music I mean I, you can see it online people already it's so a, excited I think it's yeah. iconic but yeah, yeah I, 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 I absolutely agree oh. and I think that, that, that <laughs> true. you know the kind of the way that you fed off each other and what you've created mm. from that is just is just iconic it really really mm. is massive congratulations thank you and thank i bloody you. hope you're back for season two as well <laughs> keep everything crossed um, listen th- and thank you so much for physically coming here today and oh, it's so cool to like meet in person yeah oh, me to facilitate the second <laughs> meeting of you two in person well this is still technically like the first meeting isn't it we, yeah we haven't said goodbye we, yet we so oh wow <laughs> i love that you watched episode six together last night did you actually watch it or were you just too busy like giggling and like oh no we, we watched 
watched it. I was trying to hold it together because there's this music that Natalie gave us that I oh, I just love it. So it's the bit where like the camera pushes in on Tom and it's meant to be about hope, right? Because he's just had his heart crushed, but like Loki survives. So yeah. He's like, I'm going to pull it together. And he has this beautiful performance. But I remember you sent us some music for that. And then it has this turn to it that goes into the montage as he like walks through the TVA and the camera spins around him. And I just, every time I hear it, I always cry. <laughs> like, it's just like, I was like, oh my God, you just feel the, I don't know. I think your music just, everyone obviously like has a set design, autumn cinematography, like the writing, like everything gave it so much scale, but there's just something about hearing the right music and mm. always in your head knowing like, I want this emotional. Oh God, I'm actually going to cry. <laughs> like it's gonna happen again or no but like but I just was so like oh I remember just hearing it and being like oh my god this is exactly what I wanted which is always like the dream right <laughs> as a director yeah. and and then just the music at the end it sounded I remember all of us watching it we looked it at you so and we were like yeah oh, and, went, Char- like, and Charles uh, yeah. Charlie the theremin player was there as well because there's that <laughs> I, I couldn't get the Kang theme to quite land and then I kind of put that extra line like soaring over the top on the theremin and it was like it came in and I was like yeah so nice to so watch cool. it with everyone who's who's given it the character that you know those musicians as well like you're just as good as your team and the people playing your stuff <laughs> oh man your enthusiasm and love for what you do is absolutely <laughs> infectious it really really is um, listen I hope we get to chat again in, in more detail about it but thank you so much for staying it's a thank bloody you. treat to get to meet you both. thank you <laughs> thank you thank cheers you don't ever say goodbye to each other by the way just, like, <laughs> no, just keep going <laughs> From the score to Loki, that's back in the TVA, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the wonderful Kate Heron and Natalie Holt. A huge thanks to Kate and Natalie for taking the time to talk to me. It was an absolute treat to chat to them and in the same room too. Oh, wow, it nearly didn't happen, but we made it happen. Uh, all six episodes of Loki are available to watch on Disney Plus with Natalie's score released via Marvel Music. I am also going to stick up um, a little excerpt of this chat visually on the YouTube page as well, so make sure you head over there and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll put up a Spotify playlist for the show at edithbowman.com, which is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes, including my chats with Tom Hiddleston, Taika Waititi, Alan Silvestri, Ryan Coogler and the Russo brothers. I am desperate to get Mr. Kevin Feige on this show. Watch this space. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do leave us a rating and a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Next up, 
I cannot wait to share the next episode with you. Uh, Edgar Wright uh, is going to feature on the podcast a couple of times over the coming months. He's got a brand new film on the way. But what he does have out next week is his first ever step into documentary filmmaker. He's made a documentary about the Sparks Brothers. It is brilliant. If you are a Sparks fan, you will relish in this. If you aren't a Sparks fan, you will quite quickly become one. Edgar Wright and the Sparks Brothers on the show next week. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>